Honest, I've always felt that the salaries that the clubs pay players are crazy and unrealistic. The word we have tried to use so many times. We have tried not to use so many times, but we have to use again. Shame on you. This is Sports 360. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Sports 360 Podcast. This is episode 13, season 3. As we count down to what promises to be an exciting end of the season in football, particularly in European football. My name is DJ Monto in Boyemia. This one is here. Um, Bodio Gutu is unavoidably absent today. But joining us is a very special guest. Um, an MPFL player. He's played for a lot of top teams. Quara United, Warrior Wolves, Ingiba Shooting Rangers. We have played for Ingiba Shooting Rangers. Most beautiful stars. And all of that is... Um, Top 50 best beach super players, uh, beach soccer players, sorry, worldwide in 2017. And he's probably the only Nigerian that I think has scored over 100 beach soccer goals. Um, of course, you might know him, you might not, but his name is Abu Aziz. Abu is joining us this morning. Good to have you here. My pleasure, sir. <laughs> I am very, very happy to be here. At least um, I've been listening to this uh, podcast for a while and um, being here today, it's um, a very, very huge. Um, opportunity for me to Ooh. be on seat especially with you sir <laughs> I'm just a human being <laughs> alright uh, so we start this week and we, we, we will defer to you on the, we, we just decided that we brought you here just, there's been a lot of talk about the MPFL administration um, coaching refereeing a whole lot of things Okay, but we just felt like nobody's ever talked to a past or present player, from the player's perspective, what's it like playing in the MPSL? What are the challenges? What are the situations? What would you like to themselves to do differently? Do you, do you think it's right that they are ignored when it comes to Super Eagles? Do you guys feel inferior to anybody that plays abroad and all of that? So someone like you, who's seen it and done that, I felt that you are the best person to bring here to do that. So let me start by asking you the simple question. Okay. What's it really like Playing in the MPFL, I think um, it's one of um, the biggest level as a professional footballer to play in Nigeria. Mm. Playing in the MPFL, um, when I was growing up, or while I was growing up, um, the orientation back then was um, I would like to travel out to play football, which yeah. um, I think um, many of my mates would always um, think about. But um, at the long run, I felt like. Um, Playing in the MPFL would be a stepping stone to mm. play um, at the international level. And um, I think it's been a very, very huge and big experience for me because uh, playing in the MPFL gives you one edge over a player playing on the street. Mm -hmm. Because um, by playing in the MPFL, uh, the top agents should be able to notice and see you well. That is when the league was on TV, yeah. the top agents would be able to notice you, to see you, to pick you, to scout you. And also, it is also a chance for you to be picked by the national team coaches. Mm -hmm. So playing in the MPFL is one um, big step ahead of um, every other player that plays in the streets or grassroots. Mm. Okay, now, um, you talked about how um, you might be scouted playing the MPFL. How did you get to that level? How did your football career start? How did you get to the level 
of playing with the NPL club? Me, for instance, um, I was playing with my grassroots team back then in Yanoba Ojo when um, my team played a not a one big tournament in Lagos. They called the tournament a Boska Cup. Okay. And um, I, my team came third. From there, this, the scouts and officials of Julius Vega Football Club okay. were present. They noticed me from the beginning of the tournament till the end. And that was how I was invited. Okay. And as at then, Julius Vega was still playing in the... Um, Lower division. In the lower division then. So I was invited to come over for trials. I went there and um, that was how I signed my first professional contract with Julius Vega. And from Julius Vega, I moved to Quara United. Okay. Yeah, from Quara United to Warrior Wolves and so on. What is the biggest challenge to say MPFL players face? Is it poor salary? Is it for travel arrangement, is it um, the issue of um, um, hooliganism? What's the biggest fear for an MPFL? I think uh, I wouldn't say this is my biggest fear because um, there has been so many, many things that has been affecting um, the Nigerian League, the MPFL. Like you said earlier, financially, um, the administrative aspects hasn't been where it should be because um, we all know that um, there is money in this country and um, football players need to um, get enough money while playing. Because um, I remember when I was playing with a Yimba football club, um, Mamulodi Sundowns of South Africa came over to play against us and um, after the match, we were sitting with a Zimbabwean player that plays for Sundown, I forgot his name. Uh, yes. Yeah, we we're just having a normal chat with him and um, he was telling us his basic salary, his mm. monthly salary. Immediately as Lagos boy, I brought out my phone to just quickly calculate the money mm. into Naira. And that guy was earning like 5 million plus mm. as monthly. He was now asking us that how much is our salary? <laughs> like, we couldn't even tell him what we were earning here in order not to bring our lead down. Country, yeah. So we just had to just use another talk to cover up ourselves. But um, it is always very, very disappointing that the, the best players in the Nigerian Premier League after a season of, after a season doing well, mm. they would have to move to even a lower league so that is mm. not even better than the Nigerian league just to make ends meet, just mm. to feed their family. And that has not made the Nigerian league very, very effective because once the best legs in the league move to another league, mm. it makes our league not um, lose, giving you that efficiency. Shy, yes. yes. Mm. Okay, so one of the things I've always worried about is how MPFL players manage their travel. So, for instance, he played for a Lagos club, he played for Warriors, he played for Yimba. Yeah. But somewhere along the line, I traveled to, as far as Maiduguri. And more often than not, you go by road. How does an MPFL player prepare their mind for such a long trip that could go for more than 24 hours? And then imagine that you have to come back 
to okay, so let me take for instance, you are playing in a Imba now. Yep. You're gonna play uh El Kanemi okay. in my degree, and you have to come back to Aba before you now take another journey to probably Kano. And it's all by rule. Yeah. How does the MPFL player prepare himself for that kind of journey? Uh, I think um, not until recently where um, few teams started using um, the flights for mm. um, a long distance away match. And um, one thing about football, be it um, a Nigerian player or a foreign player, you as a player, you need to be extremely educated. You need to know your body system. You need to know how, how you can react well. Um, in distance like that, me, for instance, let me use myself as a case study. If I travel for just four hours, I would not be comfortable again till the next day. So one thing I have always done for myself is I have, um, lots of supplements that I use for myself immediately. I am about to travel. So after traveling, I use those supplements to get myself. But the truth is, um, how many of these players have that orientation. How many of those, how many of the MPFL players would use supplements like that? Many of these players don't use this. And once they get to their destination or on a match day, they don't perform well and it becomes a problem for them. And this is because they haven't rested well. Most of the travels we make going into an away match, we make like um, 14, 15 hours on the road. And some of our bosses are not even conducive enough. Mm. And it becomes a very, very big problem for the MPFL players. So um, the, the, the few people I know use that uses supplements, uses um, that rests well, I think um, they've been a little bit effective. Um, a player like Rabiu Ali, for instance, now is um, 41 years old and he's still very, very active. This is because... He rests well and he uses his supplements. But how many of the other players can I vouch for that this player can last this long because they rest well and they use enough supplements? Because normally the journey enough is enough to weaken you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. you as a player, you need to be professional enough to mm. get lots of supplements, get lots of rest to be able to perform well when you're playing. In short, it's not conducive to travel like that. It is not. It is okay. not in any way. Let me go to something a bit more specific now. Okay. Um, how do you feel as an MPFL player? Okay. You know, when you, you feel that as an uh, as a league, mm. you belong to the Nigerian football body. Yep. How do you feel as an MPFL player when you hear administrators, coaches condemning the quality of players in the league? How does that make you feel? I mean, generally now, because I'm sure you've heard it since even yeah, journalists, one million times. One even journalists say one million you know, there's times. no there's yeah. no good player in the league. Uh, a coach will say, "I don't say any good player." How do you feel? How does that make you guys um, feel? It, it's me, for instance. It makes me feel so um, unimpressed with comments like that because I know there are so many good, great players in the Nigerian league, and I would always use. Um, few of my colleagues as a um, case study. For instance, um, a player like Ogene Karo, Peter Etebo, we mm. played in the same team, the same season yeah, in yeah. Warriors then and um, 
Got to the final. I know. I know the. I know the qualities of Ogenekaru Etebo, and um, when I hear statements like "better player, no DMPFL," these things get to me because I know Etebo as out of then. I know the so many Super Eagles players mm. that he was better than. Okay. So it gives me so much concern that why would you generalize every MPFL mm. players? Mm. There are still so many good players in the league. For instance, as out of last season, um, a certain coach or many coaches would say, better player, no day, better player, no day. But a certain Anayo Iwala left a Yimba. Mm. Right now, he, he plays for experience of Tunisia, happens to be one of their regular players. Mm. Now, in less than a year, the coaches that were condemning the Anayo Iwala mm. would praise him like he's world class yeah. right now because he plays for experience. experience of Tunisia. Why don't we, um, why don't we encourage, encourage the players in the MPFL or rebrand let me use the word rebrand the nigerian league make it more um visible make it more appealing um yeah i um help me with one english make it make it more competitive competitive make mm. it more useful make the fans um, look at our league like they are looking at yeah, the MPFL, the branding. Really I think brand, um, that would that would really make people value the players more because um, the same Anayo Iwala you're talking about praising right now played in the MPFL last season. As a player, yep. do you feel inferior to all these foreign-based professionals in terms of uh, quality and ability? Do you think anybody that they bring from abroad, do you think any player that they bring from anywhere is better than you? In this, um, it depends on individual. Me, for instance, I've been there. So, whoever the foreign-based player that I'm seeing now, I know who is better than me. I know who I am better than. Mm. I would only respect you as a player, but I know your quality. I know my quality. I have been to events where uh, my friend, Asisa Toshola, she do organize a charity mm, match yeah. And um, she invites almost all the Super Eagles players. I've been there and um, after the performance, the Super Eagles player, they start asking, what did these guys do for MPFL? But this is life. Mm, this yeah. is where I am right now. So I have to respect it. But the truth is, me, I might not feel inferior when I see these players. But I have so many of my colleagues playing in the MPFL right now that they feel so, so inferior and intimidated when they hear or see the foreign-based player. I have seen so many of my colleagues that were being invited into the Super Eagles team or the national team. They get there and um, they are scared of names. They feel mm -hmm. so inferior and they can't even play well. Mm -hmm. So this is about um, um, different people. Yeah, me, I might, me, yeah. I might not. Attitudes and mindsets. Yeah, and um, mm. the way you grew up, the way you started football, the people you've seen, met, um, it varies. So there are so many people that feels so inferior and there are still many people that that's what even gives them so much confidence to play. Mm. So mm. if, if okay, so one thing we've always said on this show, okay. on this podcast and on our various shows is that we know that the MPFL deserves a quota. So if you're inviting 23 players, we think worse, at least three players from the MPFL. Not in 
So if I was to ask you that today, as we are constituted today, mention three players that if you were asked, Abu, recommend three players from the MPFL to the Super Eagles. Who are these three players today, as of today? Yeah, this is, a, I think, um, a particular goalkeeper, Kyle De Bancoli. He plays for Real Monsters mm. and um, he has um, 10 clean sheets already. I'm not saying um, you should guarantee him a starting chair yeah, exactly. or a second yeah. chair, but mm. inviting him into the national team chance. gives him so much confidence to want to improve more. That is one good thing about football. Um, there is a particular player that plays for a Yumba International. His name is um, Fatai. He plays um, central midfield. He might not be a well-known player like people as people that we haven't been watching the league, but I have seen him play when he was playing for Abia Warriors and I still watched him this season when Lobby Stars played against um, Eyimba. This guy is such a very, very good midfielder. Inviting that kind of player to the national team where we know that the Nigerian team um, needs more Creative legs players. in that midfield. Inviting a player of such to the team, I think it gives him so much confidence and um, he himself would want to improve more because he knows that um, for him being invited, it means um, he's doing something well. He needs mm-hmm. to do more to get to that um, top level. Also, there is um, a certain Ishak of um, Rivers United is been doing extremely as well. A top scorer, yeah, as a top scorer. Fortunately or unfortunately, he isn't even a number nine. He plays from the wing mm. in a three-man attack. Oh, okay. This boy has been someone I met when I went to when I played in Shooting Stars. He played there. He wasn't even given an opportunity to play in mm. Shooting Stars in two thousand and. 18, I met him in Remo Stars. He wasn't given an opportunity to play. But he didn't give up. He continued playing. And as we speak, he's the highest goal scorer in the Nigerian Premier League with 10 goals. And this, we're talking about a player playing from the wing. 20 is actually not bad. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. For, I think that's, about, that's, that's about to serious. Yes. I think, uh, somebody uh, who is not an out-and-out striker. And, uh, and um, the last the last winger that I can remember did that happened to be Unfon Udo when he played for Ayimba International. Yeah. So right now, Ishak should be given an opportunity to at least showcase himself if he would be able to grab the opportunity depends that's on him. Mm-hmm. Also, there is another player that plays for the same... Rivers United. His name is um, Chidioke Chidi Akuneto. Akuneto. Was mm-hmm. MFM yeah. before? Yeah, he played for MFM. He okay, that's for... the guy that scored a hat trick. Yes. He, he, played, he played for um, Atland. I'm talking about Akuneto because um, we play in the same Lagos MPFL All-Stars. Okay. Yeah, and um, we do play together and I know his qualities. He's not a number nine. He plays from either of the wings or behind the striker, okay. but he has a very, very good eye for Goal. goals. Mm. And as we speak, he happens to be one of the highest goal scorers in the Nigerian League. So giving players like this an opportunity gives them so much confidence. And this, this, what you've just done, which is what we always said, what you've just done is that when you make that kind of uh, condition, so it generates a lot of interest. We are talking about these players now. Play, people will go out to say, okay, um, Abu has mentioned these players, let me go and watch them. It creates a buzz. It generates a lot of interest. People develop more. Media will talk about it. Anytime the Spikers are going to play, we'll say, who are the players? We know we start speculating. And that generates 
so much interest. We have to leave this now. You are still no, with wait, us. Hold on one second. Just, just, and, just, just uh, quickly, two things. Which ground do you fear the most? Which stage do you fear the most in the FPFL? And do you think that Nigeria has been fair on players like Onua? A player like Onua. Onua Chukuka. Yeah. I come again with a question, please. Which stadium do you fear the most? Okay. Go play a match. Okay. And do you think Nigeria, Nigerian coaches, have been fair on Onua? Okay. Uh, I think um, that would be El, El Kenami Stadium in Maiduguri <laughs> because uh, um, the stadium is um, well choked and um, the fans are just um, very right close, very close to the stadium. Although there is a um, a barricade, like um, a net there that stops them, but they are very, very close to you. And um, anything stone figures land for your head. <laughs> your head. So um, you're talking about Onua. Yeah, I so said, do you think Nigerian coaches have been fed to him? So like for when he was at MFM, he yeah. was probably the best creative midfielder in the league. But somehow, just couldn't get even a looking acha. I think... Um, um, I would like to um come back to this. When Onua played for MFM, he was one of the best, not the best yeah, creative yeah. midfielder. We had uh, the likes of um Ibenebu, We have lots of great yeah. players in the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good to say he happened to be one of the best because um the the goal that um his teammate Sikiro Latumbosun scored yeah. was mm-hmm. a pass from Chukuka Onua. So he's a very very great player. But um sometimes um. You have to do more. Sometimes um, talent isn't enough. Yeah, you have to go extreme to get to that top level. Onua okay. is a very, very great player. I, I, I will stop you here, but uh, I'll run up because you are still going to be with us. Where you are, you are building a career as a media analyst, so a sport analyst. We have a couple of football discussions that you will join us as on the podcast. But final question on this: What would you, if the authorities invited you to say? From all your years of experience of playing in the league, we want you to be a consultant to the MPFL, to the NFF or LMC. What areas do you think the league needs to improve? Um, I think um, the most important thing would be uh, branding the league. And okay. um, branding entails so many things. We're talking about um, educating your fan- the fans because um, this mm-hmm. fans encroachment has been um, a big disaster in the league, both the yeah. MPFL and the NNL. Um, secondly, we'll talk about the referees and, um, this has been a very, very huge problem in the league because, um, no matter how good you play, if the referees are not, um, effective enough, mm. it brings problem into the league. Um, thirdly, I'll talk about, um, administration, players, management and welfare um, of players. players welfare. Mm. I think, um, if we can work on those and um, we'll talk about good stadiums as well because okay. Infrastructure. Um, these um, stadiums we talk about happens to aid football. Mm. You can take a very, very good player to some certain stadiums and expect good football from there. Mm. And once the football isn't um, very catchy, I don't mm. think um, any football agent would want to yeah. see any player from that it's about the aesthetics. Exactly. The aesthetics have to be yeah. very good. Okay. Uh, okay, we'll leave it at that. Uh, thank you very much for your insights, Abu Aziz. Um, Abu Aziz is a football analyst as well. So, it, it dovetails into what we want to say. Uh, we, we hope the authorities will take... We, we know a lot of top not Chalbzidos listen to this podcast, even though they pretend they don't. <laughs> 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 we know they listen to this podcast. So, we, they, we just felt like 
Let's take a look at this thing from a player's Let's perspective. Respect. Because we all talk, 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 talk. Let the player tell us how they really feel. So you've given us some very, very wonderful insights. Hopefully, things will get better in our league. With that, we go to one of the top leagues in the world, the La Liga. We go to one of the biggest teams in the world, Barcelona. And we go to a guy who's proven to be, maybe in a few years, if he continues at this rate, will be one of the top coaches in the world, Xavi. When Xavi took over um, 5th of November as Barcelona coach, they were down in the dumps. Things, I think they just lost to Rayo Vallecano. If I'm not, I think it was he in charge for the 3-3 draw. He played immediately after. I'm not sure whether it was. But since he's, since he's taken over, um, they've played uh, as well. Unbeaten, right, right now, Barcelona are unbeaten in 14 since home loss to Betis on the 4th of December. <laughs> that run includes 10 wins and 4 draws. They've scored 34 goals, uh, considered 12. But in the last five games, they've considered only one goal. Uh, they scored four times, six different games. And um, right now, they got knocked out of the Champions League, yeah, it must be said. But right now, with all due respect of all the teams left in the Europa League, they are by far the favourites to win that competition if they do play according to form. Uh, so since he took over, it's been 12 wins, 5 draws and 1 loss. Um, that's a Xavi's record since he took over. And we're talking about unbeaten in 14. So he's handled 18 games, 12 wins, 5 draws and 1 loss in the La Liga. Yemi, did you expect this kind of quick turnaround uh, when Xavi took over or is it a bit of a surprise? <laughs> Okay, let me see this. I don't owe him any apology because <laughs> I was one of the first people to write him off. Mm. I didn't think it was an appointment that I, I felt it was a premature appointment at the time mm. it was made. Um, I felt it was an appointment that was more for like the purist, you know, the fancy, fantasy, fantasy, fantasy appointment. You know, type appointments. I didn't think it was going to really change anything. And I like the fact that he's on course to to prove me wrong. Mm. But yeah, at the time he was appointed, there's absolutely nothing this guy is going to do. Barcelona's problem was deeper than yeah, yeah. the coach. Much more uh, broader problems in Barcelona with administration, finance, and what have you. But yeah, why I won't give him the full credit is I think the, the, the work is more expansive. Expansive in the sense that he's had to the bulk of the work has had to be done back office. Mm. Back office in the sense that how they've been able to work out the finances. Mm. They were really, really bad in the bad yeah. but they were able to find a way, which we've always said, Barcelona and Real Madrid always find a way. Around their financial troubles. Yeah, their financial <laughs> troubles. So they found a way. And a lot of the credit also has to go to Jody Cruyff, who handles a, mm. a section of um, their recruitment and what have you in looking for good deals, transactions that could make the team better. So, just a bit of the credit goes to him, but the bulk of the credit goes to the guys who run the team mm. in the background because they'll be able to find a way to make this team stronger and competitive. Okay, you, you talked about the back end, which is the front. Now, the, the football, 
Abu. You watch Barcelona now, and you get a feel of, yes, this is Barcelona. The triangular passing, the movements, you know, the, the central midfielders controlling the game, youngsters like Gavi and Pedri and all of that. And so, it's not like they were playing as badly before it took over, but yeah, sure. it looks like, I hate using the word, well, I'll use it, DNA. <laughs> it looks like he's kind of brought back the Barcelona DNA and beyond winning and all of that, the quality of football as well has been very impressive over the past, especially El Clasico where they destroyed Real Madrid, uh, the Bernabeu. Um, how impressed are you with what Xavi's done? Yeah, Xavi, when he was playing, happened to be one very, very brilliant player. He continued and um, when he became the coach in Qatar, Mm. I remember the period he was about to leave Qatar back mm. to Barcelona. I checked um, the videos on social media and I saw the team he, he coached. The players mm. were crying. The management mm. were not happy that he was coming was back to Barcelona. I happen to be this person that um, initially I used to believe every intelligent midfielder becomes um, a very good coach. Okay, That used to be my orientation. Not until I started seeing some good and intelligent players that becomes a coach, but they lack this player management. Okay. And once you lack a player or man management in your team as a coach, your team doesn't give you a result. Mm. But um, Xavi came back to Barcelona and the first thing he did was the player management. You could see some players that were not... Um, being given an opportunity, mm. they started playing and um, Xavi looked at the team and decided to bring in just few players to beef up the team. No one would have expected um, Xavi to bring back a Dani Alves, but mm. you can see a Dani Alves in that team right now. Dani Alves would be a mentor to Many of the, the Dest that has been playing. Dest mm. is a very, very intelligent and good player, but he needs to learn more from a player like mm. Xavi. Uh-huh. Um, a player like Danny um, Alves we watched um, we watched their last match at the weekend and um, we saw how Danny Alves marshaled mm. that right back he also brought in um, a so-called finished Aubameyang mm. from Arsenal and as we speak right now Aubameyang has been doing extremely well he brought in Adama Traore he brought in Ferran Torres and you can see how the team plays now. They play with so much confidence. You can confidence. also say that the man we talked about is zone exceptionally well bringing Dembele back into the fold. That, that is just it. Um, Dembele happens to be one unhappy player. Yeah. But we can see what Dembele has been doing. Right now, Dembele has 10 assists for Barcelona in just as many matches. And this is a player that uh, most Barcelona fans have been clamoring that they should let go. But right and now, Dembele happened to be one of their most important players. When he was, when right he was substituted at the weekend, yeah. there was a standing ovation. You can see this is where man management, player management comes in. So, Xavi has already done that and it's a very, very good one for the team. And that's why the team keeps on playing well. Yeah, we talked about the January transfer window. They did excellent business Fantastic. and they didn't have to spend a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And then, the fact that, the, the critical thing for me is not even that. The critical thing for me is the fact that some players, he's mentioned um, a couple of them, Traore and uh, oh, yeah. Bamiang, agreed to a pay cut. Yeah. Not many footballers in this day and age will do that. And I also think that that also brings to the, to the fore 
the player, the pulling power of a coach. Yes. I'm sure that's one thing that Barcelona but is also enjoying. Coach, that brand. The brand yeah, I know, but true. the brand, yes. But um, I, I'm saying, I'm saying that some players have will command so much respect and likeness that some players will say, "I like to play for this guy." Oh, yes. Yes, and sure. I think Xavi has that aura. Yes, he has that aura, but what you need to understand is that um, the two players you mentioned were also at probably the lowest points in their careers. Mm. Adama Traore has more or less lost his place at Wolves. Mm. He was playing second field to the likes of Trincao and uh, Condense and what have you. I wasn't even getting to the team. He's played at Barcelona before, so it was an opportunity to potentially go back home. And then he sees the opportunity, like, you know, first of all, I do remember when the news first broke that we were interested in signing Adama, I was like, what are you thinking? For what? Mm. Why? He, he couldn't break into the team when he was much, much younger. What's the point? But then you saw a manager who felt this team needed pace mm-hmm. up front. A lot of pace. Once we have a, we're able to exert all the control we need. We need those outlets to really give those final passes. And then led to the signing of Aubameyang as well, who, for and for Sal, whatever happened in that transaction, Personal ripped off Arsenal. <laughs> or maybe Arsenal ripped off themselves. Yeah. Because for the life of me, how did they get a player like that for free mm. in January? So you have to say, and of course, somehow, that kind of lent a helping hand mm-hmm. to his team for mm-hmm. the Ferran Torres. Because really, there was really no point for Ferran Torres to leave Man City at the time. Settled in, was doing well playing in, in that first line position. And I think a defender too left. Um, they got to Garcia, Garcia too. You know, so, so you kind of feel Xavi uh, uh, called in all the favors he could call in. Mm. Say, Baba, you know you you taught me this thing. <laughs> I think you need to help me. But don't let this work spoil for my hand. You know. So I think that more, more or less what happened from a player perspective, uh, yeah. Abu. Do you guys? When you, when a coach, a former player that yeah. you respect, yes, walks into the dressing room as your new coach, does he instantly command your attention and respect? Does that happen psychologically? Yeah, it is always very easy when um, your former teammate becomes a coach. Uh, but um, what me personally? No, I'm not talking about a former teammate now. Just okay. a former player okay, just that you know player. and respect, like I the Vieira, like is, the Javis that we're it, having it, now. It, it is always best to work with a former player because um, you know that he has played the game he before understands you, he understands the game and um, whatever is the problem in the team he should be able to handle it um, amicably um, for instance if a particular player in the team is having a problem of not giving his best a former player that is now a coach should be able to call the player sit the player down um, know what has been happening with mm. the player and know mm. what's more best. Empathetic. Yes, know what best and how best to treat the player, how best to bring out the best in the player. So it's always um, a very, very good one to work with um, a a player turned coach. It is always very, very good because he understands you. You know, we after the we we, we have to say a lot of respect to the La Liga, yeah. Because in the summer, yeah. you know, we had the La Liga yes. Nigeria representative on the show because we were worried about. You know, what happened to the brand? But you have to say that they've moved on, which he said, I have to, maybe I'll call him, I'll give him my congratulations because I was really worried because he said, we'll move on from it. New players are coming through and all of that. 
Look at the quality of young players. Barcelona, you mentioned Dest, Gavi, Pedri. Saw the goal that Pedri scored at the weekend. Sat down three defenders on the seat of their pants and scored into the bottom corner. Um, and that is a Barcelona star. Developing players and all of that. And whoever thought that in less than a season, they, they've more or less moved on from Lionel Messi. Oh, yes. <laughs> Tough to say, but yes, mm. they have moved on from Lionel Messi. Uh, I, I think having multiple options gives another variety. You know, doesn't make them too predictable where you know that more holy full and loud, the team is built around one player. Um, what I like that La Liga have done is that they've tried, they've, they've distributed their attention. So the attention is not on one player. The attention is now in all a variety of players. Mm-hmm. And the good thing is that some of these players have risen up to the occasion. So you're talking in Atletico Madrid, you have Joao Felix, who is doing extremely well. Mm. And doing pretty well. You go to a team like Espanol, Raul de Thomas is rising to the occasion. Mm. Valencia, you have um, uh, Carlos Soler, is also uh, leading the team despite, you know, being uh, so not so well known. And then you go across for Benzema as, you know, mm. Skyler Madrid Morris on the shoulders. And some of the Vinicius, other guys Vinicius also, Junior. you know, rising to the show. I think what Lanigan just did was spread the attention Move away from having those two big superstars in Ronaldo Messi and spread the attention across the league and have as many focal points in terms of the branding, in terms of the commercial outlet for the league to, you know, push the league back in our faces. All right, um, as we run this now, Abu, what would you say is a successful season for Xavi? Champions League, which is likely, well, now they are... I don't think they'll overhaul Real overhaul Real Madrid right at 12 points. Like, even though if Barcelona win their game in hand, it'll be down to nine points. But um, they are no longer playing each other. So it, it's actually Real Madrid's hands uh, to win the league. And I think they'll win it. But um, they're ahead of um, uh, they're ahead of uh, uh, Atletico Madrid and Sevilla on goal difference. And um, they, they also have a, played a game less. So what would you say? Are they in the in the UEFA Europa League, which I said their favorites, <laughs> what would be a successful season for Xavi? Champions League is enough, or if they throw in that Europa League trophy, icing on the cake? Yeah, I think the most important thing right now is for Barcelona to get back to where they um, belong, and that happens to be the Champions League. And um, if they can win the um, Europa League, um, best way for them. But the most important thing right now is for them to qualify back to the Champions League. And I am very, very sure with um, that qualification, the board would be able to splash the money um, mm-hmm. to get the best player or the right players that um, Xavi would need um, to bring um, Barcelona back to their normal um, style of play. Because I feel right now, um, he's still trying to um, survive He's still trying to um, get back to that Champions League. Um, this isn't the complete Barcelona yet. Mm. Because uh, me, for instance, um, if I'm given the opportunity to talk, I look at some certain teams. I look at some certain players. I know a player that doesn't fit into this setting. Right now, if I look at Man City, a player like um, Sterling, 
Mm. If Guardiola, if Pep Guardiola is only using Sterling because he gets the goals many, many times, but mm. Sterling isn't a Pep Guardiola kind of player. Okay. Sterling isn't a ball passer. But one way or the other, he gets the goal. That's the use of Sterling into that Pep Guardiola team. A Adama Traore is not a backer kind of player. Yeah, me agrees with you on that. <clears throat> He's not a backer kind of but player. Is it, is, no, let, let me cut you. Is it a case of, if you look at the Barcelona team now, uh, because, you know, I always say this thing, football is about a squad, not the team. Yeah. And football is about having options. Yeah. Not a pl- a plan a, plan B. The squad that he has now, especially going forward, yeah. it gives him various v- options. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what is working for them. Exactly, because um, at the moment, um, he, when if A doesn't work, when he throws on B when, options, when when the um, the second round started, I think um, a Ferran Torres was starting, mm. Adama Traore was starting, but at the moment um, we have um, a Ferran Torres starting from the left, we Dembele. have a Dembele starting mm. from the right, so he has options okay. of Adama Traore. We have to round this up now. And at the moment, um, Ansu Fati is coming back from exactly. injury. Exactly. So, so that's, um, that, that's a good um, squad yeah, rotation. Yeah, question on this one. Um, we've talked about going forward. What what other areas do you think the need, team needs to strengthen? This transfer window will soon open at the end of the season. And you do feel that Barcelona, where they are now, they would feel that they're almost there. What do they need to really, really challenge for the top honors? I'm talking about La Liga and maybe Champions League next season. One of the first things we've done in preparation for next season mm. is they realize that they need legs in midfield. Yeah. And they sign Frankes. Good. From Milan. Okay. Yeah. Excellent sign. Mm. Yep. Busquets is, well, like it or not. On his last legs. He's on his last legs. Mm. So they've added some really good legs, a proper engine in midfield. But I think they also need options in defense. Yeah. Central defense. And Rumors about all everybody's things. I don't think he's a top no. level defender. I agree with you no. on that. Gerard Pique is also approaching his last legs. So they do need at least two centre-backs of good quality. Rudiga, like you mentioned, is a great option. Uh, we'll do understand that I'm talking to Andres Christensen of, of Chelsea. Uh, of of, of Crystal Palace. Andres Christensen of Chelsea. Chelsea, okay, okay, okay sorry. <laughs> two central defenders from Chelsea. <laughs> on the free. London will not that like anything. And way, the way Chelsea is structured now with all the Abramovich issue is, is a possibility. It's a huge possibility that they'll get put on them. Mm. So once they're able to sign two proper central defenders with the legs they put in between the front Kessie, I mm. think we're going to have a very, suddenly, very suddenly, suddenly, from where, where the summer, we have to say, is a fantastic turnaround for Barcelona from the playing situation. It, it looked all lost and hopeless. But now, there is a lot of optimism and a lot of bright hope for the future for Barcelona. We have to credit, yes, yeah, Mitchell, the back end, the people that put deals together, but also we have to credit Jean because if it wasn't, if it's not going well, we would blame him. Not yet. So that it's going well. I'm still not crediting. We have to, <laughs> <laughs> we have to credit Javi for what he's done. And so while we're throwing credits around, um, one man got a lot of credits in the summer. He still won the Euros. But now, you know, a lot of criticism in his home front because former world champions, fantastic footballing country, you would never expect that Italy would miss two World Cups on the bounce. And that's exactly what has happened. 
Um, Abu, what do you think went wrong? Italy was on such a high. And so were they busy celebrating? They didn't get back to the bases and all that. How come they were such a high in the summer and such a low less than six months later, failing to qualify for the World Cup? What do you think went wrong there? Personally, I think um, the Italians um, were so overwhelmed um, at the last um, Euro 2020 and um, they failed to realize that um, they were there they, they were loopholes in that team that actually won that Euro 2020. And um, I saw a particular loophole in that team which happened to be their um, attack. There were loopholes there because... Um, Zero Immobile wasn't very, very effective at the last Euro 2020. Also, um, in Sydney, in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wasn't effective at all. And um, that should be a burden for them because um, I noticed um, each and every of their attack starts from um, um, Kiosa. Kiosa. That mm-hmm. happened to be their most important player. They have um, quality defenders. They have quality midfielders. Jorginho, Verratti, they were doing... Uh, Barella, they were doing so well. But Kesa happened to be their most important player in that attack. And mm. um, they should have worked on that, on the Ciro Immobile and Insigne. And unfortunately, they didn't after the Euro 2020. And that actually affected them during this qualifier. Because um, if you notice... The both attackers were not effective at all, and um, the North Macedonians mm. and critically, Chelsea has been injured for a while, so yeah. that, 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 that's been a factor. Yemi, um, do you feel that um, at the Euros, like you said, they were fairly lucky to win on penalties against England in the final? Although we agree here that they were because penalty shootout is always a it's not true, you know, uh, but they were probably we agreed here. They were the best team in the tournament overall. Probably yeah. deserve to win it. But do you get the feeling that the legs... Because if you look at the squad, Italian football doesn't seem to be developing younger talents coming through. Yeah. You know, they have the central defense combined age of probably one million. <laughs> Some of the something. You know, and you look at the squad, very few players, 25 and under. Yeah. A lot of the squad at the rules was late 20s, up to mid-30s. Was it like he had too little a time to, re- to freshen to freshen up that squad or is it a case of he just doesn't have the talents coming through, fresh talents, I mean? Hmm. Okay, so for Italy, it's a fundamental problem. Hmm. Italy failed to address the fundamentals. Okay. So when the Euros just seemed like Papering over the cracks. Exactly, papering over the cracks. It just happened. Happened by sheer God's will, desire, having a coach that wanted to win and certain elements in the team that were able to drag the team all the way. To winning. Italy have the same problems Germany and England had a few years ago, you know, when they also failed at major competitions. And then they went back to look at themselves and say, look, there are a lot of things we need to change. So, one of the things Italy needs to critically change is how they blood new talent. Now, Italy have a very funny way of blooding talent. Unlike England, where a 17-year-old can be playing the academy this week, and the following week, he's in the first team. By sheer luck or by application 
or his desire, whatever, he can play in the first team. Italy have what they call an apprentice system, a stone age system. So what do you mean? A 17 year old that is doing well in the club has prospect. They rather send you to Serie C to go and start to come up. So if you've done well in Serie C, they'll move you to Serie B. And if you've done well, you can then finally come make the team. To Udinese. <laughs> exactly. To Udinese. And then you play well in Udinese, then Juventus picks you from there. Unlike, whilst in the big team, giving you a chance to learn in the best facilities mm-hmm. of the best coaches. And, and mingle with the best players. And, and mingle with the best players. That's what Italy, uh, that's what Germany and England have done well. And that's why you see England won under 17, under 21. And then we got to the final of the Euros. Some will tell you where the final Euros they got to, Italy was going to beat them. But for the long term, they've gotten stuck to that point where they were not fresh. They were not fresh. And even after winning the Euros, there was an opportunity to refresh the squad. You had the likes of Raspadori, uh, Skamanka coming through. Like Abu said, Immobile, Insigne, not the best Euros. Even though, in terms of numbers, Immobile continues to put himself in, in, the, in, in the equation. So it's hard to take him out. But then, you could have tried other options. Even defensively, there are a few young defenders coming through, but taking that gamble on young talent is what Italy has failed to do. And I think that has what has, that's what has come back to buy them now that they have to go back and do a huge, huge rethink. I hope they will learn and change a few things so that they can, so that we're not talking about them missing the 2026 World Cup. Okay, on that question, what do you think the plan should be for Italy now, Abu? Um, if not, they, they, certainly there has to be a reorientation and a rethinking. Yes, they won the Euros. I don't want to say it's a flash of the pan, but it happened, they won it. But overall, the consistency has not been there. You Not qualifying for two back-to-back World Cups means that there is a deeper problem in the overall, um, I don't want to use that, overall uh, talent pool coming through. So what do you think they will do now? What do you think they should yeah, do now? Um, I think um, Yemi has already said uh, most of it. Um, it's about uh, bringing new players into the national team. And um, the national team shouldn't be like a bet right to certain players. For certain players. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like for instance, the the for instance um, at the moment, um, the, the central back, the central back between um, Bonucci and um, Kelly shouldn't be working at the moment. They have so many um, great center backs in Italy that should be playing in that team, and um, also if um, Ciro Immobile is doing well in his club side Lazio and doesn't re- uh, replicate it at the national team, I think um, it is better he comes off the bench. Um, the, you can't tell me of all the twenty um, club sides in Italy, Syria. you can't pick a certain Italian player that would play a number nine for Italy and don't get goals. You can't have midfielders like um, Giorgio, um, Verratti, Barella, and you're not scoring goals. It's actually a problem for them. And um, it seems like um, Italy shouldn't be playing and relying on penalties to win. It is actually another problem for them. 
So another Chelsea major penalty is usually be Chelsea means back to back penalty, and that's why. So it is, it is, it is very, very disappointing. Like a team like Italy, and I think they actually won penalty shootouts in that competition. Yes, they did back to back penalties. So it 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 is um, disappointing because um, a player like um, Chiesa is injured. Then the Italian attack is not working. Um, It Mm. is it is actually something they need to go back and work on. Roberto Mancini. He's not going to lose his job, I don't think. He, um, he's built enough goodwill. Yeah, without win. And um, so, what does he do now? What direction does he go uh, in terms of making this work? Because I think it will be disastrous if they don't make another World Cup. I think the, a return to the basics, you just have a sit down with the guys at F, uh, FISGC and you know have a conversation on the long-term future for Italian football and also have a conversation with the guys running the youth system in Italian football that look we need to start blooding more talent to come through the ranks the more they come through the ranks instead what Italy have are a lot more young foreign talent mm. coming through the ranks you know uh, we're talking we're talking 17 to 20 year olds and even those ones that play, they're playing for the smaller teams. So the big teams are not producing enough talent coming to the ranks. So there has to be a, con- a, a conversation between him and the big teams. And some of the big teams that look, you guys need to blood more talent coming through the ranks. The more we blood these talents to give them an opportunity, they can build the experience and know how to really to play at a very high level. Which is World Cup qualifier, the Euros, and what have you, and that can give Italy a bit of freshness, a bit of fresh blood. And we're not talking just from the attacking standpoint; we're talking generally the entire scope of the team, from the back to the front. Of course, unfortunately to them, fortunately for them, uh, since the Euros, so like Donnarumma has had a huge mm. loss of form, and how he's continued to be Italy's number one goalkeeper. Mm has been quite you know, bewildering. So, there has to be a full revamp of the entire structure for only to ensure that you don't miss another World Cup. Okay. Final question on this one. Um, uh, Abu, from a player perspective, um, the Italian players, they, they're, they're proud, they believe they're fantastic players. What does it do to your morale or your ego when, after such a high, you have such a low? How do, do they pick themselves back? to get into the group. Final question quickly. Yeah, there are top professionals and um, in football, it happens that um, you win today, you lose tomorrow. It is um, usually um, one thing that um, makes you a top professional because um, you can't always be comfortable in football. So, you know, it takes um, that professionalism in you to be able to help yourself whenever things doesn't go your way. No way. So, I don't think um, it should be a problem for the Italian teams. They've seen it all and um, mm. not qualifying um, to the World Cup shouldn't be a problem for them. Right. The most important thing for them is try as much as possible to um, get it done. Right. Okay, the next time. Alright, Abu Aziz, thank you very much, Abu Aziz. Former professional footballer in the MPFL, we thank you for your insights, particularly um, from a player pers- angle, players angle into the MPFL, and also you're quite. Um, I'm sure you have a an excellent career ahead of you in the media space. 
Um, we wish you well and we thank you so much for coming on the show. Our question and answer is open now. Go to all our social media handles, Sports360 underscore on Twitter, Sports360 pod on Instagram, and you get a link to how you can ask questions. In one of the future episodes, we're going to answer your questions. You can ask direct your questions to me, to um, Yemi or to Buddy, or it might be a general question. I will take pains to answer. Don't ask personal questions. <laughs> Don't ask me how many wives I have. <laughs> so on that note, we end post post recent podcast for the week. Many thanks for joining us. Go to all our social media and we thank you for downloading. The last episode was particularly heartwarming. It looks like quite a high number of downloads in just a few short hours. We know you're pained, but I tell you, the Super Eagles will be back. I will be back next time. Bye-bye.